0: We haven't missed a single delivery, we haven't missed a single person throughout this whole time, and you just see that when you meet people who, you know, the news is so dominated right now by how terrible the world is and how fractured we all are, that to have this just genuine moment of generosity and caring for someone you don't even know, it just, it's very present when you're handing a bag off at a front door.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Good and Granted podcast. I'm Jim Licko.
2: And I'm Laura Love. Today's guest knows the power of family. He's part of one big Irish clan. His mom is one of 17 children, and he is one of six boys. He also knows the role healthcare and community service have played in his life. And it's probably safe to say that healthcare quite simply runs in his family. His parents met in nursing school, and most of his five brothers are emergency medical technicians including his twin brother. And although he didn't follow in his family's medical footsteps, he did learn from an early age that giving back would be his life's work. Before moving to Denver with his husband to become the CEO of Project Angel Heart, Owen Ryan was the executive director of the International AIDS Society in Geneva. While he originally hails from the Jersey Shore, yep, that Jersey Shore, he has lived all over the world, including Switzerland, South Africa, and Zimbabwe and has worked for a variety of health organizations, including the Peace Corps and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Welcome, Owen, thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me. Thanks, Lauren, Jim.
2: So it's probably not even a possibility, but let's just assume that there might be some listeners who have may have never have even heard of Project Angel Heart, um, which by the way, recently, recently in air quotes, celebrated its 30th birthday Can you share a little bit about the history and the mission of Project Angel Heart?
0: Yeah, sure, and you know, that makes a lot of sense if folks maybe haven't heard of us before. We like to kind of be a little incognito. We started about 30 years ago um, as a response to the HIV-AIDS epidemic in Denver. A group of about a dozen friends got together in the basement of St. Barnabas' Church and committed that they were gonna start providing meals to people who were living with HIV and suffering quite a bit at the time. Since then, this organization has grown tremendously. We've gone from that one tray of lasagna to now we put out more than 10,000 meals a week to people across the state. Um, So we have a real legacy to be proud of here, but when we deliver to people's neighborhoods, and I'll tell you, we deliver everywhere in Metro Denver and in Colorado Springs, like we we do it undercover. Our volunteers show up and they quietly drop off a delivery, they kind of share some love through food, and then we're out of there. That's kind of how we like to work.
1: That, that's super interesting. And, and my question for that is kind of relative. I mean, obviously, you know, you guys deliver nearly a half million meals each year, or at least last year you did, and, and you work in Colorado Springs and Denver. And then this year, you know, COVID-19 happens in March and everything kind of becomes shut down. And a lot of the people you serve are indoors. Many of them, I would assume, are homebound or, or don't get out very often. And so maybe their lives don't change as much. But what what hurdles has 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 presented uh, Project Angel Heart in the in the advent of a pandemic?
0: Yeah, I'm sure like a lot of folks who are listening to this, every hurdle that could come our way did come our way this year. You know, it just it required a total reinvention of our operations. You know, the vast majority of our volunteers before the epidemic, we it took 500 volunteers every week. To get our meals from our kitchen out the door to someone else's front step. And, you know, the vast majority of them are 60 plus, 70 plus year old volunteers. Those are folks who are themselves very at risk. So, you know, we had to really have um a come together moment as our community to say how are we going to do this and sure for the first two months of the pandemic we were all working seven days a week we were choppers and deliveries folks who before were fundraisers were now folks who were packaging up and sending things out like it just took getting the job done and i think the thing that helped us do that we had a very real moment where we came together as a team and said you know we are an essential service here in colorado there are 1300 people every single week who rely on our food. And if we don't deliver, those folks don't eat. And so, you know, that was kind of the clarifying moment. Um, We were fortunate that over time, you know, as we got smarter about the epidemic, we could get smarter about using masks, and now we have kind of no contact delivery. So, you know, we've been able to welcome a lot of our volunteers back, and boy, are we glad to have them. Um, But it, it, it is, I think the thing that carried us through was having a real understanding of who we are and what our mission is.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. That, it, you, and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you guys are so volunteer driven. Um, what kind of things, stories have you heard from the volunteers um, that are out there now? Um, is there anything that sticks out in your head? A favorite story from volunteers since the pandemic has hit that might, you know, be a little bit of a silver lining in things.
0: I've got a ton about volunteers and they tend to all fit the theme of how overwhelmed our clients are whenever we go to their front door. I'll tell you every single time that I have delivered meals during the pandemic, at least somebody on my route is fully in tears and shocked that we're still delivering. We ha- we're really proud, we haven't missed a single delivery, we haven't missed a single person throughout this whole time. Um, I-, I will say similarly on our client side, we've been fortunate to have a number of partners come forward to help us expand our work. And a number of those clients are folks who are recovering from COVID. Um, either they were uh, discharged from the hospital or they were then, they were staying at home to kind of stay healthy and out of the hospital. And consistently we get overwhelmed with notes from those folks saying how they didn't know this service existed. They can't believe this is a thing that is in Colorado. They're so proud to be part of this. So, you know, I, the the gratitude that we've gotten from our community by keeping going is real fuel for our work.
2: I love that. Well, and you mentioned sort of the expansion during this time and I was reading about when the when coronavirus hit, does you, you had a relationship between Denver Health and Project Angel Heart and it it led to sort of this unique way to support people with COVID and avoid this potential hospital bed shortage in Denver and and to still make sure people had access to food. It was virtual virtual hospital at home program, correct?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. It's funny, you know, just like the roots of our organization, we had a partnership with um, some researchers and doctors at Denver Health around studying how people with HIV do on our program. And then when COVID hit, You know, they were like, oh, hey, this could also be great for these folks as well. And so um, they were great about starting this partnership with us. Similarly, when we were trying to revamp our whole program and say what's safe to do and what's not, we could call in these expert clinicians and say, hey, can you look at our whole program and point out where things might be going wrong and where we can do things better? It just that kind of partnership, you know, it's worth its weight in gold. Um, And we're just so glad now we've served hundreds of meals through that program, keeping people out of hospitals and at home recovering from COVID.
2: Well, congratulations on that. I know it's a huge hurdle. And obviously the coronavirus was devastating to so many people, but back in early July, you know, the Denver restaurant community and Project Angel Heart lost one of their best, right? When when your chef, Brandon Foster, passed away while he was hiking with his family. Um, From what I know, and from our volunteer time, he had been with you about four years, but then had been at Vesta for more than a decade. I can't imagine how devastating that was for you. and so how did you pull together your team in the middle of coronavirus and trying to mobilize volunteers and losing someone that was sort of the heartbeat of the of the community?
0: Yeah, <clears throat> that that was extremely difficult. Um, it happened over Fourth of July weekend. Brandon was really the beating heart of our program here. Um, you know, I think that all you can do in those moments and all we did was be extremely real with each other, right? So we all got together um, the next day after the news and I just told folks, you know, I don't have answers. I don't have why. Um, I don't, I can't explain any of this, um, but I can create some space for you to feel like we can remember Brandon how you want to, and we can honor his commitment to our mission how you want to. And I was very ready that day, even though we're very proud of the fact that, you know, we haven't closed this whole time to say, hey, maybe everybody needs just a day of peace a day with each other to kind of take a break. <laughs> no, they corrected me on that real quick. They're like, no, if, if there's one way we're committing Brandon, it's we're cooking in the kitchen today and we're getting meals out the door. Um, That's so awesome. Pe- yeah, people really got together. It, it uh, it was a day full of tears, but it was a day full of cooking too. So uh, so the, the team really came together then. And, and, you know, by taking our time with that, we've really had some time to reflect on um the personal commitment we all make to this organization you know uh and i think that has made us much stronger as a community and and again you know the generosity we've seen from others we put a call out to ask people to support brandon's wife and kids um and and you know the denver community and the broader colorado community raised over one hundred and thirty thousand dollars for his family in just a few weeks so that um it was really it's really moving we're very fortunate to be on this side of generosity
2: Mm, that's really incredible. Thank you for sharing that. I imagine your leadership was part of the reason that people came together and it was easy for them to motivate and do his work. So I, I have to ask, as, as a business leader, what leadership lessons have you learned during this time?
0: Yeah, I think it's really important, and this is gonna sound so trite, but kind of knowing who you are and what you do, right? Like you have to know what your mission is because particularly over the last six months, and certainly after we lost Brandon, there's so many pressures to change or switch, or there's just so many doubts that grow about what you're trying to do. And so staying very clear on the way you're trying to make good happen in the world. I like to say like you draw a circle around yourself, you say you're gonna make good happen here. That's very much what we do. I think that's part, and that can really helps a team. I think on the other hand though, it's knowing when to step back. And certainly that day, the first day we got back together um after Brandon died, uh, my job then was to um be a little bit of a mirror to everybody and say it's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. It's okay to stop, right? Like you you don't you don't need to force people to be anything other than what they are.
1: I think since March, um most of us have experienced this sort of resurgence of getting to know your neighbors of Um, being out on front porches, going on more walks, uh, knowing neighbors like we never have before. And so my mind goes to, if I were to have a neighbor that may be a good candidate for a project Angel heart services, um, what would I do? And then on top of that, are there any anecdotes of people who have just been like, you know, I, I got to know my neighbors a little bit more and I didn't know that they get meals delivered by project angel heart. Are there any stories like that, that have come out of this since the last seven months?
0: Yeah, so to the first part, if you've got someone in your life who you're finding is having a hard time providing meals for themselves, either because they're older or because they have some sort of illness, you should absolutely go onto our website, projectangelheart.org. You don't need to go through anybody else to get referrals into our service. You can come through us. We're going to work with your doctor or social worker or any kind of provider. Um, and make sure that we can set you up with the right services. And if we can't set you up, we are a constant referral to others who can. Um, we we like to consider ourselves a door. If people step up to our front door and we're not the right one, we're gonna hit, we're gonna walk them over to the correct front door. Um, and so I would definitely say once again, if anybody is listening to this and you feel like you have someone in your life in the state of Colorado, or really anywhere across the US, we're part of a big network of organizations, just go onto our website or email me at orion at projectangelheart.org, it's all on the website. Um, As for kind of getting to know your neighbors, one of the things that I've I've been moved by is um, and getting to know people who, who receive meals, is you know, the reason I came to Project Angel Heart is one of my closest friends was a Project Angel Heart client. That's the only reason I knew about it, right? I was living in Switzerland and he, um, he was HIV positive and he got an opportunistic infection working in his garden, in his backyard. Something the rest of us would normally clear, maybe feel ill for a day, it just took over his system. And the medical bills compounded and he couldn't afford his house and he lost his housing and it's just a spiral that's really familiar. And so, um, you know, he had a really sick savvy social worker that connected him to Project Angel Heart and it was this incredible stabilizing effect on his life. He was able to get a house. He was able to um, reconnect with his family and friends. You know, food is medicine and sometimes it's strong enough and we can bring people along recovery. In this case with my friend, you know, he, he eventually passed, but we were able to kind of help him through that journey where he could re- reconnect with people um, in his last few months, uh, which is really grateful. It's, it's the reason I applied for this job. That's the reason I know. And you'll find that everywhere in our network. You find volunteers who've been clients, you find people who quietly have friends. It's it's always done very, very quietly. You know, Food is both something that's essential to our lives, it's also something that people can somewhat feel shame around if they feel like they can't provide for themselves. And so uh, everybody's got a story about someone very closely connected to them who receives our meals. Um, And we're okay if we stay quiet like that, but I always tell folks, you would be shocked how many people on your block receive our meals. Um, it's everywhere. It's it's all the time.
1: That's awesome. Um, you know, the goal of this thing is to try to get people active to bring issues to light. Um, it, what might be the simplest way somebody could help? You talked about um, you talked about how you might be able to refer somebody on your block, a neighbor, a friend, a family member uh, who who might be deserving and needs meals. But what what's the best way? What's the easiest way for the average Coloradan to get involved and to help out with Project Angel Heart?
0: Yep, I'd say if you live in Metro Denver or in the greater Colorado Springs area, we always need delivery drivers. And it sounds like a bigger task than it is. It's really easy. You punch a bunch of addresses into your phone or you get a map yourself, and the whole thing takes between an hour and a half and two hours, and it will be transformative on your Friday or Saturday. The best thing folks love about um, volunteering with us is you can bring your kids along. So anybody who's in your household can also be part of that delivery. We don't have restrictions on age. We always, always need more drivers. So projectangelheart.org slash volunteers, or just go to our regular website, you'll find your way there. If you're not in those areas though, every single one of our meals gets delivered in a hand decorated bag. Jim, I heard you talking about this at your Thanksgiving feast. Anybody across the state can do that. We're happy to get our paper bags to you, but we use more than 1500 paper bags a week. Um, And so we, and we recycle them. Don't worry, folks are being, we're very, we work a lot on sustainability. But if you are at all artistically minded or you just wanna give back and you've got some crayons that we would love for your help in decorating our meal bags our clients always talk about how much they love those and then last up um, to meet all of our commitment next year we're going to serve more meals than we ever have before nearly fifty thousand meals next year Um, we need people to give generously so we are in the midst of a campaign to raise two million dollars by december 31st and would love people to help us on our website projectangelheart.org
1: that's awesome um change doesn't happen without passion and it's exciting to see how passionate you are owen about this and and we're lucky to have you in our community so thanks for taking the time to come on and tell us a little bit about what project angel hearts dealing with and how people can help
0: that's really kind thanks so much for having me
2: We are so fortunate with the outpouring of support that we've received since we launched this podcast. And I think Jim and I are quite simply spoiled rotten with all the kick-ass leaders that we get a chance to chat with on these episodes. So join us and spread the word. Check out goodandgrounded.com or go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you know of a kick-ass Colorado leader that has a story that needs to be shared, please, please, please let us know, drop us a line, and we will hope to get them on our show. So go ahead and subscribe, share, and let's do some good in our Colorado communities.